good evening. <clears throat> so tonight's the Tuesday, the 1st of November 2016. Um, and my name's Grant George. I'm, I've been and am a um, formal student of Sensei Amala Wrightson for just over 10 years now. Um, and presently I'm actually living or staying in the and the Auckland Zen Centre during the working week and uh, during the, the weekends and holidays I go up north and, and share a property, 100 acre property with uh, nine families, or six families actually. Um, and the, the, the community is called Kaakatawa and it's named after a large rock, that volcanic plug that looks over the community and um, it's a very beautiful uh, landscape. The locals know it as Bald Rock and you can climb to the top of that and see both coasts, the west and the east. Right, and um, the title for my Dharma sharing tonight is uh, Love, Buddha, Heart, and True Nature. Words I use synonymously, um, sort of interchanging. And uh, sort of an outline for tonight is I'd, I'd like to do an introduction and then... Um, sort of explore some of the uh, classic Zen teachings around love, Buddha and heart. Um, sort of interspersing that with my own perspectives and personal observations and questions and interpretations. Um, and then halfway through um, I'd like to do something a little bit different and that is just for two and a half minutes um, share um, well, hopefully we can all uh, interact. Maybe um, it's like a, I suppose a dem- what I'd call a demonstration of heart. Um, that, uh, if you're willing, we can uh, we can do that for a couple of minutes, which I'll tell you about. And um, after that, if there's time, um, I'd like to look at what gets in the road of uh, love and Buddha and uh, and lastly, I would like to touch on uh, some empathy, some empathy practice that that I do and engage in and supports my Zen practice. Uh, and then hopefully, well, there will be, I'll, I'll make time for, um, I just, I haven't got any listed questions, but I'd like us to break up like we, well, like we have done on other um, sharings and discuss um, discuss what our questions could be for our discussion, if you like. I've got a couple of ideas, but um, yeah, I'll look for the opportunity there. Um, well, firstly, I sort of, I'd like to just, um, I'm a little bit wary about this, this whole subject. It's, it's very deep and... Um, uh, so I just want to make it clear that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interpretation. You know, um, this is uh, the word that comes in your disclaimer around my around my uh, sharing tonight. Um, you know, it's even even putting love and Buddha on the same um, level, if you like, might trigger some people and think, oh, that's not right. And um, I, I acknowledge uh, whatever it might be a little over the top, but um, that's just how I. That's where I'm at at this point of time, and um, 
it's really um, the only way I can sort of do something like this is, is try and um, uh, uh, be authentic with it. And um, yeah, so uh, you just have to accept that at this point of time and, and um, anything that comes up that does sound particularly wrong, then um, I'd really encourage you to hold it and um, be with it, but bring it to the discussion. That would be really interesting to, to have that, um, that discussion around uh, those sorts of things, especially things, because you know, this is what I'm really looking for is some sort of engagement that is beyond um, the concepts that I'm going to be talking about, um, something deeper, something that maybe resonates with your own personal experience uh, would be, um, that would be nice, that would be, that would be an intention I suppose. And, um, I mean these concepts are, uh, they are concepts, they're just expressions that can't do something like this justice, um, something as deep as this justice. In fact, um, you know, it's the old, the old chestnut of Zen about the finger pointing to the moon, uh, the finger being the words and the concepts. In fact, um, the moon is um, it's quite a good example for me. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a um, uh, anti-moon therapist. Uh, therap um, and conspiracy um that you know that don't believe that people walked on the moon, but I remember when that was happening and and it sort of it felt to me like it actually stole something around my experience of the moon um, it's like um, when I'm experiencing like a full moon that's coming up especially at, at my home you know in the daylight we've got all these beautiful trees kari and and um, Rimu and totra and and you can see what they are and then the moon comes up on the horizon and, um, and uh, all of a sudden these big trees become just big shadows and you can't see what they are. And, and the moonlight is like a, it's a, um, it's a mysterious, um, it gives, it's, it's just a completely different feeling you know, and I can really um, feel it and be with it. Um, it's like a mysterious fog um, and it's, it's shadowy and it's still, and it's, it's, it's real, you know, it's really real for me. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to touch on, just trying to show some heart around feeling, um, not emotional feeling, but just um, a sense of um, engagement with, uh, with in, in this case it's the moon, but um, with heart and Buddha and love, um, that's really what I'm what I'm interested in trying to uh, explore and it's quite difficult for me tonight because you know I'm not a good speaker, it's a, tr it's a trigger for me um, and I tried to write a lot of stuff and it just didn't seem to come easy for me so I've just sort of written bullet points and uh, I'm not quite sure how it's all going to go um, so I just have to trust that um, something's going to come out of it that, uh, that works for myself and, um, and generate some sort of discussion anyway. Uh, the other reason really, I mean I was really inspired by the Spring Sashin and uh, Sensei spoke um, in depth about a new Metta Sutra, that, a Metta chant that we've been doing uh, that, that, we, that we started at the, um, at the Sashin and um, 
I thought that was that really touched me uh, on lots of different points, and it really brought home to me how important this love, heart, Buddha aspect of my practice is, and um, what it's really glues me to um, what it's about for me. So I really appreciate that, and, and it wasn't just the um, the words, but even how Sensei spread out the um, uh, the Pali language around. Um, Shows and it made me think how what a beautiful language it was and how more expressive it was and how much more room and, and freedom it had in expression compared to our English words that seemed rather dead. Yes, yeah, so that was um, quite inspiring and one of the reasons I'm sort of doing this talk in a lot of ways, it just gave me some inspiration. The other thing that's, um, that I want to share is um, this over 20 years ago I, I had a, um, a very strong experience um, a, I'd say a um, uh, well it changed me completely um, it was before I was actually involved in Zen but um, it was around my mother's death and it wasn't actually my, my mother was um, I was very fortunate to have a mother that was gave me a lot of unconditional love um, and freedom, and it was um, a weekend that she died, and we were, the family was all together. And it was the, the night after that weekend, um, and, um, and the, the word love came into it big time. And um, I was sleeping in the batch, which was made by my father, because the house was full, and there was a few other people in the batch, so um, we were sleeping in there. And I was I wasn't sleeping very well, but I had this dream, and um, and these words came in this dream, and I thought, wow, that's they're pretty, they're, they're, they're powerful. And, I, and I, as soon as I woke up, um, I couldn't remember them. They were just gone. Um, <clears throat> so I went back to sleep and I thought, you know, I was disturbed sleep and, um, and the same words came. It, was in, it wasn't in my mother's voice or anything like that. It was just in, I'm not sure what voice it was in. I couldn't even tell if it was male or female, to be honest. But the same words came back the second time. And um, I thought, wow, okay. Um, and, and, and I woke up. And this time I remember them. I thought, oh yeah, that, yeah. no, they're pretty simple words. On, I, you know, nothing, um, nothing there that's really over the top. But you know, they were, they were what they were. Um, and I went back to sleep, and then I woke up again, and, and I forgot what they were again. It was just like I just couldn't grasp these darn words. And um, so I went back to sleep again, and this is the third time, and the words came again. And this time, I don't know, I, I don't remember getting a pad or pencil or whatever, but because I couldn't turn the light on, I just reached over and I scribbled these things down, you know, and, um, and, and in the morning I woke up and I saw this gobby gook stuff there that I, I could make out, and, um, and the words were pretty simple, and they were just simply, um, they were just simply, um, God is love, love, not God's love, loves God, love conquers all, even death. Now, um, so there's nothing new in those words, uh, but what, what was new for me is, um, is for some, some reason I had all this confidence all of a sudden. I was, I was a 40-year-old man. I'd hardly ever spoken in public. Um, it just wasn't me. Uh, and here was this um, time and I had all this, this confidence and... And in the end, it was, was me that stood up and spoke for the family in, in a very small town in a, in a packed church. Um, 
and uh, it was a very unusual um, feeling around this, was this feeling of love. It was this feeling of uh, how my mother supported the family and supported me particularly, and even in that uh, death time, I'm, like, you know, I'm even, even now sort of get a little bit care around it, um, <coughs> but even in, even in that death weekend and just that example of, um, of love, you know, and uh, it was a really powerful time. So um, this is all part of this process for me to share some of this, this heart that I can't really explain, you know. At any rate, what I'd, um, what I'd like to do firstly is, um, is read a, a passage uh, from the Maraponi uh, Nibbana Sutra. Um, actually, Sensei gave me this, and, um, and this would be quite a good discussion uh, point in our, um, later on because there's some stuff here that... Um, that I'm not, not sh- I'm not sure about, but um, I'll I'll read it anyway, and you can make your own call on it, and then um, I'll probably make a couple of comments around it. So, um, <clears throat> so Buddha is soon to pass away. Sensing that that his master was passing from this world, Ananda retreated to his lodgings and leaned against the doorpost and wept. Sobbed. The Buddha noticed his attendant's absence and called for him to come. When Ananda came, the Buddha said, Enough, Ananda, do not weep or cry. Have I not already told you that things that are liked are also subject to change? Ananda, you have been in the Tagger's presence, expressing love with body, expressing love with speech, expressing love with mind, beneficially, blessingly, wholeheartedly. You've achieved much good, Ananda. Make a last effort and in a short time you'll be free from all defilements. So, um, so obviously Shakyamuni um, thought very highly of this um, love aspect and Ananda um, showed so much of that. I mean, his his own his own practice suffered. I'm sure you all know this, but his own practice suffered because of his attendance and his love for Shakyamuni. He just didn't have the time to put into um, the sitting practice. Um, and um, so the story goes that um, he wasn't um, he didn't get to that um, full uh, freedom, enlightenment, and. Um, but I'm also reading in here that, that Shakyamuni is, Shakyamuni is, um, is saying that um, there's still more work to do, so it's, love isn't, isn't enough in itself. Um, so I'm, I'm still questioning that. Because what came up for me when I read this, this sutra, um, I thought of another story that I was told, and I'm not sure where it came from, but it was about a, <coughs> a, Zen, a Zen priest that went to a a funeral of his, one of his um, attendants, and and he cried, and the attendant looked over and saw his master crying, and said, "Master, you're a, you're a, you're a Zen master. You shouldn't cry. 
And the Zen master said, um, if I can't cry now, when can I cry? And that, that always landed with me quite, quite heavily. Um, so maybe this, this um, comment from Shaky Mooney around um, don't weep is really a timing issue because Shaky Mooney was still teaching at that late stage, even on his dying bed, there was still, still teachings there for, his, for, his, for the people around him. Um, so you could imagine um, everybody weeping uh, wouldn't be skillful in, in, in encouraging people that hadn't um, still, had, still had powerful learnings to do. But it is a powerful piece. So, right. Um, so what I've got here is I've got a, a bit of a um, couple of sheets from a guy called um, Gil Fronsdale. Now he's a Norwegian-born American Buddhist uh, teacher. He's ordained as a Soto Zen priest in San Francisco Zen Centre in 1982. I know nothing about the guy, I just Googled that, and um, so I'm not sure if he's still around or what, but I just sort of, he just wrote a couple of pages and they sort of, um, they sort of touched me a little bit. Um, you know, they, they came to my heart and I thought, well, uh, so maybe it's just his style, but whatever. So I thought I'd just read a couple of paragraphs and, and in this, um, what can come out of this stuff is um, the, really the four, um, the four main types of um, love that, and from the Buddhist, from the classic Buddhist perspective, that I'll, I'll share with you and um, see how it goes. So the first, um, first paragraph is this: Just as blood nourishes the heart, which keeps it flowing. So love nourishes spiritual freedom and is, in turn, kept flowing by it. The connection is so strong that Buddhism, often known as the path of freedom, could equally be called the religion of love. Perhaps this is what he had in mind when the Dalai Lama said his religion is kindness. For the Buddha, love is one of the paths to full spiritual liberation. Now, um, came to me around that was, um, was about three weeks ago I did a, um, <coughs> I did a retreat with a Sufi teacher, Pierre Zia, who's um, the great-grandchild of um, um, Hazat Khan who brought um, Sufi, the Sufi um, practice to, to the West from India. Um, and it was, it was an interesting um, Retreat. We just sat, and he spoke. He didn't have anything written. He just flowed. It just it was like channeling, really. I just meditated, actually, just let it wash over me. But one part really caught my attention, and um, the, the Sufi practice, um, or part of the Sufi philosophy, um, they connect very much with um, earth, water, fire, and air. And um, the part that caught my attention was was around um, water and around the heart. And um, what this guy said uh, sort of landed, and it sort of connected with um, what, what, this, what this guy said. So instead of blood, so um, what he what he said was well, firstly the heart 
the heart is the first organ. It, it, is, it is made before the, even the mind, you know, the, the limbs, the, the legs, the arms. So the heart is, is the first organ made. And um, water is, is the element of the heart and, um, and love. And what, what, the, um, what he meant, um, what, he, what he spoke to was um, we, we, have this, we have this practice in, in Sufi, because I do a bit of universal dance as well, which is a practice that Samuel Lewis, who was actually a Zen master and um, Sufi teacher, uh, do, and we sort of dance. We have these movements, and one of them is um, you sort of drop your head to, to your heart here, roll it around, and come up, and Allah, 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 and Allah is obviously God, or for me is love. And this, this movement is... Um, is, um, is, is looked at a couple of different ways and it's, it's really quite important that, well, what, well I found it important because this teacher explained it to me in, 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 a, in a way that landed and that was that um, um, firstly um, he, he said about the world, how much abundance this world actually has I mean we do a little bit as human beings to, um, to help ourselves but the abundance of the world that's giving us is just immense so the the purpose of, of life of a, of, a, of, a, um, of a student of, of Sufi or Zen or whatever you want to call it, a practitioner, is to um, bring, this, bring this abundance into your heart and throw it out with a centrifugal force of, of love and of giving. And this is what this symbolises. So when you're dancing and you're singing and you're doing this movement, then it's a very powerful way of expressing it. Um, and the other thing about this, this movement, the, I would say the negative aspect of it, or not negative, but the, the other healing aspect of it is the centrifugal force is to throw the egoic self out, the centrifugal force. So you see some of these surfy, um dancers twirling around, spinning around. They're throwing this egoic force out from their bodies and to be, um, to be full of, of love. So I found that quite interesting. And... Um, so this water aspect and, and blood is mentioned here. I thought it was quite. It just it just sort of sitted with me as, as something that was quite um, quite similar. And and the other thing that really landed with me is um, I don't know, but I, I see so much more similarities in religions than differences. And and when I when I thought about this, what what really did land was. Um, the, similar, you know, the, the love aspect, the, the Buddha aspect, the heart aspect, that's, that's in all religions um, and, all, and all powerful practices. Uh, so that's, that's the part that um, is really the heart of it uh, for me at any rate. And um, yeah, so... So... The second paragraph is, if we call Buddhism a religion of love, we need to be clear what we mean by love, or more precisely, what forms of love we are including, because freedom is the guide, the measure, the ultimate goal of all things Buddhist. Buddhist love includes all forms of love that are characterised by freedom. Love that involves clinging, lust, confusion, neediness, fear or grasping to self would in Buddhism terms be seen as expressions of bondage and limitation. Yeah, so um, 
So to be clear about what we mean by love, Buddha, heart, obviously I aren't referring to the historical Shakyamuni. Um, it's a non-conditional love, heart. Um, a word, it's, well it's a term, it's a concept with, without opposite for me. Uh, I mean, I think the classical Buddhism thought is that um, the enemy of love the far enemy of love is um, is hate, and the close enemy is attachment. Um, I see um, I don't see an opposite to love. I see love um, and Buddha and heart um, dissolving um, dissolving uh, this anything like that, anything um, putting light. Uh, Observing, not judging, uh, just um, including, just totally including all these so-called negative aspects of life. Um, I mean, if you, if you, if one of the stories that came to me was um, Jesus on the cross. You know, when when Jesus was on the cross, crucified and in pain, and he looked down, and there there were a couple of um, the people that had nailed him up there. Um, Gambling away his clothes or something in that manner, and he just looked down and um, said something like, "They know not what they do." Um, and he looked on them with, well, my interpretation is with with pure love, and um, and you know, it, it's 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 the love and the the, the heart that can um, dissolve this. Um, this part of the world that is um, that is harsh, and um, and and it's not just the world; it's yourself. You know, you, everything starts with the self. Um, your your internal, not the self, self of no self, but no the the stuff that happens in your in your in your own psyche that that is that is that is hard to give that love and acceptance, and um, that's definitely a, a way through some of. Um, some of the pain and suffering that um, was the only way through. We've seen wars unfolding, uh, all sorts of suffering in the world and um, I think we can all see that um, the only real way through is by some sort of reconciliation and um, yeah, and it's, so that, that, that was one example of, of, um, of love dissolving or um, heart dissolving um, the hatred that was that was sitting there, and um, I mean another another one that was that was um, struck me was um, I'm not sure this fable about Shaky Mooney was told to me as um, um, before one of his previous lives, and he was obviously um, meditating in the jungle, and. Um, Somehow a tiger, a hungry tiger with three cubs spied him and he looked on the tiger with the drooping teats and the hungry pups behind her and the cubs behind her and, um, and he, he lay and gave his, gave his, um, he gave his life. You know, 
I mean, you could look at that as, as any way, but I mean, he, he may have known that there was no escape and he just accepted his fate as, um, as a true um, enlightened person. But it was a sacrifice and, he, and the, the fact of the matter is his, his heart at that, at that point of time, I believe, was one of love. And even if he had the means to kill that tiger and protect himself, I don't think he could have or would have. Uh, it was just, that was the timing of it. That was his time and he went with love. He went with heart. He went with real Buddha. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was another example that, that brought that, that up to me. Yeah, so um, we'll move on to the four parts of love, which is um, the first one is metta, which is the loving kindness, and um, and of course, as I say, all these all these things um, for me start. With ourselves, it's, it's um, loving kindness towards ourselves, our our, um, our struggles, and um, but loving kindness, friendship, you know, goodwill, an active intent, intent, interest in others. You know, um, it's not restrained by egoic structure or interest. Uh, and the loving kindness, the meta was the one that obviously that sensei did, and I was just reading that. Um, well, we did that. We did this chant this morning, actually. It's a beautiful chant, but there's just one part of it that really, really um, brings it home to me. Is um, is that one paragraph which says, um, "Even as a mother protects her with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world." Of course, a mother is a is a great expression um, of of love, of uh, unconditional love, um, it's it is um, yeah, it's a, it's a great metaphor and a, and a truth. Um, and one of the stories that Sensei actually shared with us on that session was um, was quite a touching um, story about um, in the forest fires in, in Australia. They came across this small bird and it has had its wing outstretched um, and they pulled this, the wing back and there was, um, I think there was three little chickens, chicks that were still alive. Um, so this, this mother bird, I presume it was the mother, it could have been the father, but this mother bird had you know, sacrificed her life for, um, for, these, for her chicks and um, when she could have flown. Uh, but it was that was um, right, a, quite a touching example, uh, um, a metaphor of, of um, how powerful um, meta and loving kindness um, yeah is is um, yeah. yeah and of course to really show meta. Um, it's not something that you can pretend. You, to, to speak from the heart, you actually have to be in the heart. Um, children are particularly good at picking this up, I've noticed. Uh, you can't really pretend um, 
you really do have to, um, it has to be um, a true and authentic feeling to be effective, um, to be um, real. And that's a really important thing about this Buddha heart. Um, probably, yeah, it's just something that's, that's important. Yeah. So that's the, that's the first. That's the first part of the classic Buddhism um, or Zen um, of, of love. The second one is um, Karuna, which is um, compassion. So um, it's a big word. You know, obviously any any action taken to to you know, reduce the suffering of others is compassion, and yourself. You know, self-compassion is a really important um, a really important attribute to um, to love and heart and Buddha, and um, and it makes me think. Um, The three treasures, Buddha, Dharma and Sangha and um, Dharma with all that wisdom, Dharma with the capital D, with the wisdom, the knowledge, it's, 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 really, um, it's really quite barren without the heart, um, the love and the Buddha aspect of, um, of, of the wisdom. Yeah, it's just... It's just um, they all support each other, of course, but um, yeah, that just—I know—it's a bit like um, some intellectualizations, you know. That just—they um, know all the words, and they—and they're, and they've got a lot of wisdom, and um, they make a lot of sense. But without real heart, then it's—it just doesn't have the um, impact, the power uh, of, of truth. Yeah, so that's the second aspect is Karuna. The third one is Modita, and that's um, sympathetic joy. Um, joy in the good fortune of others, and the far enemy of Modita is, um, is jealousy. So it just gives you a uh, bit of an idea of what that is. Um, and once again, trying to have that sympathetic joy, that joy for others, um, especially if you're not experiencing um, some good fortune, is um, is quite a, um, it's a task that um, that is something to endeavour and enjoy. Yeah, sympathetic joy. The fourth one is Yupika, um, which is equanimity. An unshakable freedom of um, of mind, love. So it can't be upset by gain or loss or honour or dishonour or pressure or blame, pleasure or pain. So it's it's a real um, truth. And it's a powerful aspect of the Zen practice to be with some of these things that um, are difficult. Of course, we learn this very much in Sashin around pain and um, wanting something other than what's actually happening um, to get some equanimity. So it's um, 
it's got many facets to its um, to its application, but in this case, it's um, yeah, it's a it's it's the fourth um, it's the fourth description of of love in this particular guy's um, girl's um, expression. He um. There's something something interesting he said here, and um, I've sort of made not reference to it, but it is it is quite interesting. Um, so none of these four types of of love are uniquely Buddhist. There are four qualities of the heart that reside within everybody, at least as potential teachings about the four forms of love existed. Yeah, potentials as potentials. The teachings about the four forms of love existed in India prior to Buddha. There were elements of common to Indian spiritual world which should Buddha include in his system of practice. And this is a part that, that was well, I sort of referred to before, but it's it just hammered home as um, while Buddhism cannot exist without love, um, it may be helpful to realise that love can quite happily exist apart from Buddhism. So that's, yeah, I think that's, that's quite right. So. Um, it's um, love and heart and what I call Buddha is, is bigger than any, um, any label that I can think of. And that's the connecting part for me around different religions um, that they've all got that same heart in them and the, that's the thing that connects me to um, the many different practices that I'm engaged in, certainly. Yeah. And learning the ways of these four, four loves does not require one to become a Buddhist, if only a willingness to develop the innate capabilities. Mm. Are we going for time because this thing is not working? And yeah, okay. Rightio. Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, um, as I thought, uh, my drumming lips would go on a bit. Um, what I'd like to do is um, have this uh, experiment and and sharing with you about this aspect. And then um, we'll have a quick wrap up around um, the discussion of what we can discuss. So what we've, what we've got here is um, I've got a song I'd, I'd like to play in here. It's only two minutes and I'd like us to sing. And what I've done is I put the, the words on your right hand side of your um, mat. It's a song you all know, I would imagine. Um, and it's actually, it's interesting for me because um, it's, to me it's full of love and heart and, and Buddha but it hasn't actually, it doesn't mention love once in there which is really interesting <laughs> because the word love has just been, um, it's been wrecked, <laughs> you know, especially in song totally. So, um, and there might be some words in this, in this song that um, trigger you and you don't feel happy about that and that's fine, just, just don't. Um, so what I'll, 
since I can't sing, I'll just put it on here and we'll sing along. And listen up. Have not broken too many rules here, but Oops. Sorry. It's not good. I'll have to go to settings. Won't take a second. <laughs> Thought that was set that but set that up.
stop here and recite the four vows. So we should form some groups. Okay, so um, Sam is here. Three groups, tomorrow, I think? Tomorrow night. No, next, next week. 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 Next week. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, sign up sheet. Sign up sheet. Sorry, sorry, this is a sign up sheet. If you come, just put your name down. <laughs> okay, maybe um, three groups or two? Maybe three. So it's two, four, five. Four each. 
Okay, good point. So <laughs> we've got this. We've got the sutra, um, which I haven't got copies for everybody. So that could be that could be a discussion. Or um, how is it that that the heart of Buddha lives in you? Um, or anything that that you came out of the talk that you'd like um, to voice about? Um, yeah. So. <coughs>